Brad, I had an amazing retail experience the other day. Wait, impossible. I know. In person. What? So I, 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 a gift I got for Christmas was a new laptop sleeve for my iPad mm. just to have something to carry around and nicely from Rickshaw, which is a local San Francisco bag maker in the vein of Timbuktu and all that. They, they make like messenger bags and you can get them all custom and stuff. Timbuktu went corporate a long time ago, so it's nice to hear somebody is doing it from the grassroots again. Yeah, the rickshaw folks are, are keeping it. They, they're keeping it real down in the dog patch. And uh, we... <laughs> All the best bags and other handmade goods come from dog patch. Well, okay. So when I got to the ordering process, there was the button there that was like, Hey, do you want to pick, you can have it shipped to yourself or you can pick it up at the factory. It's like, hell yeah, I'm picking up at the factory. And, um, I went down there and I went and picked up the kiddo after school earlier this week and we trucked down there and went in and, uh, met Mark. Who's one of the founders, uh, who was sitting in the front office, just, you know, doing his work. And, Look, here's a secret. If you have a, a like a 10 year old kid and you take them places that are cool like that, often the person's like, hey, do you want a tour? Oh, you're man. Like, Fuck yeah, we want a tour. <laughs> this is a pretty good life hack. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, look, there's, there's some other side effects of the whole thing. But uh, but yeah, so Mark gave us a tour of the whole shop and like they have. So they cut the fabric for the bags on this giant laser cutter Ooh. and, and they had like a, a roll. They had a printer that could print on material so they could make custom like printed material. And we got to see how they cut it. And sew it like when they cut it and sew it, all the pattern is just kind of on, on it from the laser. So the people who are sewing have all the marks and guides and stuff they need just there ready to go. And also you can get like, if you want Velcro sewn on the back, so it sticks in the side of your bag or whatever, they'll do that. It was really cool. So that's awesome. Are they, are they using reclaimed materials? Uh, they use mostly polyester stuff. I don't know how much of the how much of the fibers are recycled. They have like three or four different main materials they use. They have this one called, I think, X-Pack or something. That's like a nylon sailclothy type thing that like my messenger bag is made of that. And I bought it. 10 or 11 years ago now. And like I'm, it's getting to the point that I probably have to replace it because it's just dirty and I can't get it cleaned at this point. But, um, but yeah, it's been really, really robust and sturdy and good. And, and uh, we love Rickshaw. I'm, I'm a fan. I like their work. Not an endorsement. I mean, I mean, no, I mean dude, kind I'll, of endorse, endorsement. I'll endorse, I'll endorse a small local business for free. <laughs> yeah. Go buy your bag from them. Not an ad, I guess is what I'm trying. Hashtag not an ad. Yeah, they didn't pay us anything. They, he, I, uh, the, the gift was from my sister-in-law who, uh, who paid money, cash money yes. for a, uh, a, hey, you can make your sleeve coupon with us. So Legit, legitimate transaction. I barely remember what it's like to take bags places now that I've been working from home for three straight years. Well, yeah, that's it. I just wanted to have something to put the iPad keyboard in when I wasn't using it in a place. It has a pen pencil sleeve and um now i have something i can carry around with me if i want to take the laptop the the ipad someplace and treat it like a laptop so that's nice hey time to start leaving the house again i don't know about that Welcome to Brad and Will Made a Tech Pod. I'm Will. I'm Brad. How you doing, Brad? I'm doing well. Are you Are you dried out? How are you? How did you fare through the storms? Dried out. Oh, 
Uh, not that kind of dried out, the other kind of dried <laughs> I out water. Were, I thought you were suggesting something about my time off. It was not bad here. I mean, we got a lot of wind and rain, but I mean, we're on the second floor. San Francisco, I don't think, is like super prone to flooding in general as well. There were a couple of videos that went viral as flooding from Thursday, I think, or Wednesday that were actually flooding from New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve, it got New Year's Eve was the day it rained five and a half inches yeah. in my backyard and also San Francisco. And it was the wettest we've ever been here. I read uh, an article about uh, California's six mega reservoirs. Yeah. How are they doing? They're 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 way down. I mean, go figure. Uh, After years of drought, I think they're they're supposed to be at like sixty something percent full at this time of year, and it's like mm-hmm. thirty three right now. Well, halfway but there. The those reservoirs regained one percent of their capacity in twenty four hours on New Year's Eve. Oof. It was a lot of rain. Um. Yeah. We we had like it rained enough that water was seeping up from the ground under the garage, like. There's a couple of cracks in the garage that water was coming up out of. That's what happened. Okay. Yeah. And I, 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 hear, um, I hear your crawl space did not fare well. The crawl space. I, we were sitting in the living room and at like 11 o'clock, it had stopped raining almost. I was like, oh, thank God it's done. We can stop going. Because like we were we were going in and like moving shit around the garage and putting sandbags down and towels to re-divert water and stuff like that. Was I mean, look, minor inconvenience ultimately, but it was ex- it'd been going for 20 hours at that point. We were pretty tired. So I was like, oh, thank God we can finally just relax. I'm going to have a have a some ice cream and a piece of cake as one does on New Year's Eve sometimes. And um, then I went to bed uh, and right before I was getting ready to go to bed, the the Wi-Fi got weird. I was like, hey, is your internet down? She's like, yeah, my internet's down. I was like, that's probably just a storm. And then we realized that it was only half of the white one of the Wi-Fi nodes in the house. And also the TV was bad. I was like, wow, it's weird. It's almost like my computer wasn't connected anymore. It's like it's almost like everything that connects to the Internet through the switch and the crawl space isn't working suddenly. Hmm. I was like, oh, no. She's like, oh, no, it can't be that. Right. I was like, no, it's probably not that I opened the like. Okay, California houses are weird to get into our crawl space. You have to remove everything from the floor of the pantry because it's like like, trap door in the pantry floor. So I unload everything, all the cereal boxes and flour and all that stuff out of the floor of the pantry, open the trap door. I was like, oh, fuck, man, there's two inches of water in here. I saw a picture that that patch panel was swimming. It was not good. The patch panels. I got a new patch panel coming. Um, I'm going to I'm going to when I when I did the initial wire up for this house, they the person who had had the house before me had run a bunch of cat five for phones and then left this awful snarl under there. Um, so I got to fix all that up now. I've been putting it off for 13 years and and the time has come. So is it, is it time to expunge someone else's cables from your home? I'm not going to re, re-pull the cables because it's I think it's cat. It's either cat 5e or cat 6, which is fine for what I yeah. do. But um, I think is, is good for a while. Yeah. But um, but yeah, the 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 I got a patch panel and I'm either going to screw it into the joist underneath when it's dry enough to crawl around under there. Or I might just drill a hole and put it in the basement, the bottom of the pantry and then probably going to get a P.O.E. router or switch to plug in there. So I don't have to have power on it, which would be nice. I mean, I love power, but not, you know, a, a wall ward or whatever. Sure. All right. On to business. Yeah, it's uh, this is. This is the last episode of the month, Brad. <laughs> it sure is. We're, this we are. This is possibly the latest we've ever been with the Q and A. I I don't know. So we had a lot of people sign up for the Patreon last week, which I'm taking as a tacit endorsement of our of our new life's work. <laughs> I think so. I the don't know. ranking of software. The Discord was a little mixed on the fact that we haven't actually ranked anything. 
Look, it's a serious process. It takes a lot. If I know anything about <laughs> ranking things from watching long running video series is about uh-huh. ranking stuff is that you don't walk into this lightly. Look, we are approaching this from a professional and comprehensive position. Yeah. Please yeah. allow us time to do our important, <laughs> our, our essential yeah. work. No, First, actually, honestly. I think we would have gotten to ranking faster, but but after the first episode, I had so much fun just talking about old software that I yeah. immediately went into the next one going like, what if we just kept talking about more old software? Well, I think I think at some point in the future, when we're desperate for a topic, we will do another. We will we will maybe take the list what we have now and add ranks to it. Yes. Or at least to two or three things. I'll, I'll, I'll shamelessly admit I was inspired by Kotaku's like the best articles mm. that they've had going for years, which are like, you know, it's like the best 12 Xbox games. And like occasionally they'll just come back and something will get, you know, shoved off the list because something better came along. Sorry, Dead Rising. Uh, Dead Rising is a perennial best. Oh, man. Thank you. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. It's questions it's, and answers. We Q's into A's. We're turning uh-huh. Q's into A's as we do always at least once a month. Uh, we're, we, we, because of our, our indiscretions last week, we're doing it a week later than we normally do. Uh, and we appreciate your, your humoring us. Uh, but we're going to start as we often do with an electronic mail. Mm -hmm. Uh, if you have an electronic mail, you'd like to send in, you can send it to techpod at content.town. Nope. That's not it. Is it? No, that's it. That's it. it. (laughs) Sorry. I'm out of practice. It's been six weeks. I thought you were doing a bit techpod at content.town. Yeah. Techpod at content.town. I started saying it. And I was like, no, that's not right. That's not what the email address is, but it's a forward. So it's an email of lies. Um, the, the thing to know is that we read all of those emails, but we don't answer all of them. Yes. Uh, you can also, if you're in the discord, if you're a patron and you're in the discord, you can, well, if you want to be a patron, go to patreon.com slash techpod. But if you're in the discord, uh, you can go to the question seeking answers channel and post your missive into the void there where it will dis- disappear and be mixed in with like a thousand messages from cake batter. So yes. <laughs> one of one of the questions this week or this month, not from cake batter, but I forget who it was from was what does cake batter have on you guys? <laughs> what 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 he has on us is an endless supply of fantastic questions. Uh, exactly. Uh, so our first email is from Scott, who says, with the recent hacking of LastPass, I wanted to know what your opinions about wanted to know your opinions about password managers. I myself have never used one simply because the thought of all the eggs in one basket scared me. Yes, we could. We all could do better to make different passwords, but it's always hard to manage. What do you guys do to manage your passwords? If you don't mind me asking. And if you use LastPass, are you going to ditch it? So here is the first answer to this question is if you are using LastPass, Given what I understand now about their security practices, you should 100% ditch it. It seems to be yeah. problematic at best. That that breach was severe. So a lot of people's straight up password vaults were breached and taken uh, well, f- from LastPass. And, and like granted, you know, those passwords on the vaults have to be brute forced potentially, although I've seen some suggestion on Twitter and this is where it's hard to verify. I've seen people like intuiting Twitter threads where they're like, I think this breach was actually much worse than they're letting on. And here are my anecdotal or circumstantial pieces of evidence for that. And who knows if that's accurate or not. But well, so the the problem is that only a limited number of fields in the records are encrypted on LastPass. Mm. So, for example, I think your log, your password obviously is encrypted. Your email address may or may not be encrypted. Any other oh. fields that saved your, your login may or may not be encrypted. Oh, that's um, not your good. username. So what's happening is it's, Oh, it's, a, it's created a massive vector for phishing for people who are part of this breach. Um, the, the other password managers handle is even cloud-based ones. So, so there's different options. 
uh, if you're wanting to do first off, you should use a password manager. Yes. Um, when you set up your password manager, you should make sure that there is a recovery process that you can access and that you know how to use. And you should probably even try it before you start using it heavily. Um, if you use if you use something like one password, uh, one password, when you set up the account, you can provide a failover way to, to access it. Like if you have a family plan, uh, for example, you can everybody else in your family has the op- ability to restore like d- what basically one password gives my partner a way to with with notifying me break into my vault or me to break into her vault if something you know if some disaster strikes and she's injured and i can't get to her passwords and i need to pay the mortgage or something um or, or vice versa for me the the uh, that notifies everyone involved and um it basically uses a recovery process but like one password encrypts everything twice it encrypts the vaults and it encrypts the the um the it encrypts the records and then it encrypts the vaults so you're you're like double protected there you, there's no metadata around your one password account that's 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 unprotected bitwarden works in a similar way except for you can choose to put bitwarden wherever you want you can put it on your yeah. dropbox you can put it on your nas you can put it on your OneDrive. you can put it on your google drive you can put it on a usb thumb drive that you carry around which sounds terrifying because then <laughs> if you lose that you're really hosed don't don't trust your passwords to a usb drive no um, um i i like to recommend cloud services for this just because for the vast majority of users, the cloud service is going to be more reliable and safe than trying to roll your own. Yeah, you're not wrong. I mean, that that is also what introduces the possibility of this kind of breach. But if you're, you know, if you're if, if you feel secure in the security practices of your chosen host, yeah. then hopefully that's that's mitigated pretty much. Um, I, I follow a bunch of InfoSec people like like hardcore you know hey here's here the people the people that people call when stuff goes bad and their general recommendations are hey bitwarden is really good if you are if you are competent enough to make sure that like for example if you save your bitwarden in a dropbox you have to make sure you have access to the dropbox without your password manager yeah. right so you need to make sure you have printed out recovery keys someplace where you can get to them and know know how to find them um and and if you're capable of doing that and making sure that the, you haven't had any logical f- loopholes in your in your scheme, go go nuts with Bitwarden. It's great. Yeah, but Bitwarden is what I've been using for the last gosh four years now, maybe or something, and I've been quite happy with it. Um, the 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 other recommendation was the infosec people all like one password. It seems yeah. like yeah, those, um, those are the two. Those are the two services that I have not seen impugned in any, any major way in the last several years. Yeah. And and one password is one of the first ones who is doing this. They've they've been a good. There's also you can also use the stuff that's built into your browser. Um, I find or or OS, you know, Mac OS has has a key manager yeah, now. Everything does. It's kind of crazy how how many things that you punch <laughs> passwords into will now offer to manage them for you. Yeah, I, I, I like to pay like I, I'm happy to pay and or set up a third party system to do that. Just so, for example, like the Mac thing only works on Macs and iPhones, right? And iPads. Um, there's no I mean, you can access it, I think, from the web on a, on a, on a Windows client, but that's no good. Uh, your Firefox one only works in Firefox. Your Chrome one only works in Chrome. Your Windows yeah. one only works in Windows. Yep, so, exactly. Yeah, by like paying for one password or using Bit a uh, 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 BitLocker, you have a, a broad ecosystem of tools that are available on all the platforms you might use. Yeah, yes, something platform agnostic is always the way to go. Yeah, um, yeah, I have I have seen a number of people who are just kind of skittish about cloud based password vaults in general and have been 
either moving towards self-hosting or have been doing that from the beginning. Like that might be a little too much management for me. I, I feel like I like I wouldn't want my passwords to only live on my NAS. Yeah, it's it's a single point of failure that is, yeah. little, is maybe just a little dodgy. Like, I, like once you're I, really dedicated to managing it and making sure you've got redundancy. Before one password did the cloud thing, I used to host it in a in a Dropbox folder, which gave me, and then I backed it up to a local hard drive on my computer. Uh, in addition, you know, outside of Dropbox, that that was a redundancy enough for me. Losing losing the password vault would be pretty bad at this point. But I mean, the worst case is you just have to go through and recover all your passwords yeah. for all the accounts that you use, and that yeah. that's just a ongoing process but 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 switch to a user password manager it's two weeks pain in the ass um learn how to use it on your phone and how to update your files on your phone so that like apps are attached to the right urls and stuff like that and then it then once you like i went through this process my partner did not want to use a password manager did not want to use a password manager we got hacked she switched to using a password manager and it's like i can't believe i didn't use a password (laughs) manager before that's exactly the last thing i was going to say to scott here who doesn't use one it is a pain in the ass for about two weeks. It is there is a there is a hump that you need to get over of putting all the passwords in there, learning how to use it, et cetera, et cetera. But once you do, yeah, it will make your life easier. The the integration with phones and web browsers on phones, especially and apps right. on phones, is so much better now than it was even like yeah, two years ago. Absolutely. So. Like like just about anything I log into on an iPhone at this point, I just thumbprint my way into it and that's about it. Yeah. I don't even have to thumbprint. I just look at my phone like, and it's like, hey, man, I know you like it, it. It is both more secure and more convenient at the same time. Again, once you get over that initial yeah. pain of getting it set up. But uh, and 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 also just one other piece of advice. Use the password generator in there. Yeah. And generate unique passwords for everything. Yeah. The 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 good password managers. I don't know if Bitwarden does this, but one password does. And, and uh, a lot of the other commercial products do. But they they also will look at stuff like have I been pwned and. Um, they'll, they'll scan your, they'll scan your file to see if you've used the same password in 50 places and we'll give you a notification. So, you know, all the places you have to go change your passwords and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, highly, highly recommended. Also, the other thing is you can use a hardware key to lock your, your, um, password vault. If you're concerned about it, so you can get like a Yubi key and one password will work with that so that you can, you can require the first time you set it up on a device or every time you use it to touch the Yubi key to your device. I, I don't think I do it every time I use it because you use it a lot, but yeah. I would do it the first time you set up probably. Yes. Anyway. All right. Shall we move to the discord questions? Yes. What do we got? All right. First question from discord comes from Matt bot. Uh, I've basically given up on getting a raspberry Pi four. Are there any other single board options for moving my home assistant install to? I want to get off of my Raspberry Pi 3 for reasons. There's, there's like three things I want to talk about here. I mean, the first is like you still can get Raspberry Pis. It is, it is a pain for sure. It's getting but, a lot easier, though. Uh, yeah. So the way I got one three or four months ago was by following the RPI locator Twitter account. Yeah. And just set up set up like the most aggressive notifications on that account you can. So it'll basically ping your phone every time they tweet. Uh, And then, and then you do have to be a little vigilant and just kind of look out for notifications, but hopefully uh, you will get lucky when somebody has one in stock and, and can snipe one. Like Um, right, right now you can buy res, like as we record this, you can buy Pi fours in, I don't know where MX is in Mexico, Mexico, that's the Mexico country code. Um, but yeah, like, like there, there are a bunch of raspberry Pi fours of in stock, even as we speak. Yeah. So you just they have to pay have attention. A, yes. They, they also have a site. If you want to do 
do a little more filtering on territories and, and, and models and stuff like that. Yeah, you can um, set but, it to make a sound. So if you're sitting near your computer, it makes a noise. Um, but since uh, since they're talking about moving a Home Assistant install, do you have any updates on your Home Assistant Yellow? Where is that whole thing at? Um, I last I looked, it's shipping in late January. Okay, so, so you still don't have the hardware yet. I, I knew it was close. Yeah, I have the compute module. I got, I got, I got two actually because oh. I, you know, how I operate. Well, it's not sure. always. Not always the smartest. Um, <laughs> I, I, those those things are so in demand. I don't think that was the worst idea. It was so hard to find them. And I got one from a Canadian seller like three months ago when it looked like it was going to ship in September. Um, but yeah, it looks like so I'm, I'm a weird one because I did a POE one because I have POE switches in the garage and that way I don't have to run another wall wart. Um, it says it says that it is a shipping in January. It says estimated January 27, 2023. Okay. So right. later this month. Curious to hear how that works. So for people who didn't hear the home assistant FOSPOD a few months ago, the yellow is basically their own bespoke box for running home assistant, right? That you plug a, a raspberry Pi compute module four into. Yeah. So it's um, it basically instead of using the standard raspberry Pi model with the, with the headers and stuff like that, that's always the same shape. It's basically just a drop in socket, I think. And you put the compute model module in there, which has the SOC only. And then all the ports and stuff like that are on this daughter board. And theoretically you'll be able to upgrade the chip at some point. Oh, interesting. I didn't think <clears> about that. That's, <throat> that's very cool. Yeah. I, they specifically give you, I think they want you to do ones that have, storage and ram i mean they all have ram obviously but it's like like i I think i got a 16 gig storage 16 gig ram one but i can't remember compute module yeah compute module i thought do they go above eight i think you can get a 16 gig one wow yeah the 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 full the full model b for tops out at eight gig i didn't realize the oh maybe the compute modules aren't maybe maybe it's only eight i can't remember I, i got basically i was able to get one that was a small one cheaper uh a small cheap one fast because I wasn't sure that I was going to be able to find the other one. And then that one, the day after that one shipped, I got the, I was able to get one of the bigger ones that'll yeah. ship later. So the, uh, the compute module is really becoming pretty popular. I think like a lot of, a lot of projects like this are starting to move from, because so many of these projects don't need all the frills that are on a full raspberry Pi. Well, yeah. And, but in and like stuff. this case, they also can put on a Z wave and a matter right. radio, a, a right. Zigbee and a matter radio on the board, which is really convenient. So the, the, uh, Pi, Pi KVM is currently kickstarting the version four of their whole thing. Um, I've got a version three, which is based on a full model B and like, it doesn't use most of the ports and most of the excess stuff on that thing. Yeah. Uh, and so they have moved to their own daughter board that you just plug a compute module into. Cause most, most people just want the processing heft of a raspberry Pi, not all the other stuff. Yeah, I mean it makes sense. This yeah. is, it's a it's a cool thing. I'm I'm uh, excited to see what happens in the future with that kind of thing because it's 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 basically like it gives you a more modular design. Yeah, but the benefits of the Raspberry Pi being a relatively straightforward platform. Yes, it's it's neat. It will be more neat when they are more widely available. <laughs> but it's neat. Also, I don't know if I should say this. I think it's pretty confirmed. I think we will be don't, talking don't, to. Don't no? say it. Don't no? say it. Don't jinx it. Okay, I'm not going to say anything. Yeah. Stay tuned. All right. Question from Shayat, I think is how I'm going to say this username. It sounds good. What's your favorite cured meat? Oh, man. Prosciutto? Is prosciutto a cured meat? Oh, man. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, bacon's a cured meat, right? I'm I'm no authority, but I would assume prosciutto is cured. I prosciutto is so indulgent to me that it's like I 
it's like a it's like a three times a year thing or something oh man it's not, I, it's not something I, make, I could eat all the time it's too decadent i make a prosciutto and arugula sandwich for lunch on oh, on the reg kind of cheese would you handle don't tell me don't tell me mm. started to say like a swiss or a provolone but I, that sounds too fancy schmear. yeah yeah, so yeah. actually i need you need something a little more yeah, I, I put a little olive oil, salt and pepper oh, on the man. on the arugula, and oh, then man. toss that and and just put that on there. And um, um, we eat a tremendous amount of ham, perhaps too much ham. I don't like ham. It turns I, out, really, not really. What? I know the um, we're <laughs> big fans of the five dollar Friday at the Safeway Deli here. Oh, I love the five dollar Friday. They they used to they used to rotate between turkey, roast beef, and ham pretty frequently at that thing. You could get a pound of one of those for five bucks every week. It's just been ham for the last year or more. <laughs> oh, they have, too much ham in here. Oh, so our Safeway they do a different one every week. Oh man, I gotta go to your Safeway. So you so you only get or I look I haven't been inside the Safeway at the deli counter in a while. But um, but yeah, the uh, the the five dollar Friday uh, that we used to do the peppered turkey was the one I always get. Yes, oh, love I that peppered turkey. turkey. And at the same time, of those three, I will say that ham is the most versatile. Yeah, like I'll put ham in an egg or something yeah. for some breakfast. Make an egg sando. Like I, 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 a turkey breakfast sandwich just feels wrong somehow. Yeah, I've had I've had turkey breakfast tacos before that are pretty delish. Um, I, I love us a lot. Like the real question is here. What is the least, like, is there a cured meat you don't like? And I can't think of one hmm. like a salami. I'll eat a salami. I'll eat a, uh, uh, Copa pepperoni, Capicola. Hmm. Remember, uh, did you, remember, did you ever have that? Did you ever come down to the, the mission office for tested and have lunch at uh, Giordano brothers. Oh, no. yeah, there was one in the, there was one out. The other Giordano brothers is out in North beach where uh, they make those, I think they're Pittsburgh style sandwiches, maybe where they, you put like a bunch of salted meat and then some coleslaw dressing with this. It's like oil and vinegar on it. And then just some French fries and just pile that onto a, the whole sandwich. And then just you know, yom nom nom. It's delish. That sounds very good. I did not. I don't think they survived the pandemic, but anyway, rip Jordana brothers. Oh, okay. Question from prolific discord user who I'm not, I never have quite decided how to pronounce MRJD. I think it's Mr. JD, right? Merged. Oh, merged is good to pan. Okay. Now I have or Mr. JD (sighs) or MRJD. Now I'm now I'm you've put questions in my head about how to pronounce this. a, a, A delightful user who asks this question. If you had no other responsibilities for one year, what project would you want to work on for that entire time? One full oh, year, man. no restriction on cost, but you have to do all the work yourself. I have oh, an answer. If you, don't, if you don't have is, an answer. Does this pay my bills too? I have is, an answer. Can this be uh, a full-time job? I think, I think, mm, I think that's, too much, that's too much complexity for this question. I think, I think this is a, you exist outside of time and space. You can just do what you want kind of thing. Oh man. Okay. What's your answer? I would try. Well, it's it's two tiered. I would try to write a piece of a functional piece of software. Ooh, now, the, the the tier one is something that like builds and works to spec. <laughs> uh, tier two would be the the lofty stretch goal would be to make it something good enough that people would actually want to use it. Would would you make a game or would you make something like near softy? <sighs> it would probably be more utility based or media it might be something media related okay. or okay. something network related or all of the above 
One idea, one idea I had recently that I have absolutely no skill to approach is um, that little that little open source music streaming service or server own tone that I use. Yeah, like has kind of capacity to hook other sorts of audio streams into it. And there's an open source project called VGM Stream that plays a bunch of the old uh, console game format or music formats like from SNES, Genesis, stuff like that. Like I would love to find a way to integrate this, those two things Ooh. together. So you could play old game music from the original tracked files. Would you, would like, you want to make a game? Maybe. I don't know. Okay. I've, I've always, the, the thing I've always thought about game development is like when I got to the point where I was moving a box around the screen myself and making it do things. Like if I felt like that magic kind of burst of this is amazing when I did that, then that would probably be my cue that I should try to make a game. I'm, I'm going to say the UE five stuff is really, really neat. Like, like the things that you can do just kind of off the shelf without having to do a whole lot of other work. It, it, they've, they've lowered the, like you can make things that look really incredible, really, really easily in UE five. It turns right. out. So my, my problem is that I, I think I, at this point, I'm more interested in code as practice or form than I am in the end goal. Got it. So without an end goal in mind, like I want to do a thing, but I don't know what I want to do with the thing. And that makes it difficult to direct your efforts. You know what I mean? Like, I am, like, like my goal would not be make a game. How am I going to get there in the most efficient way possible? It is. I want to understand this practice at a low level. Got it. I, I can see that. I mean, I think, I think there's, I mean, there's something kind of, yeah, it's, 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 it's there's something, there's something magical about manipulating the computer in a way that you're not, that's outside of your normal realm of, of what you're accustomed to. Right. Yeah. yeah. Making it um, do things, moving data around, storing it, manipulating it. I think I would, Get, I think I would spend time making models and learning how to get real good at making like not making kits, but like, oh, like from scratch, like, like, like from I, scratch, like, making old school plastic shell models. You, I, I certainly don't already know that you sound like you just watched that ILM documentary. Look, OK, I so on. I can't remember which day. One day, Gina and, and the kiddo went out and spent some time with uh, to, to see some friends. And I was like, I'm staying home. I want to be by myself today. And I had a BDRE kit from that, the, the little Lego robot from Jedi outcast. Oh yeah. And I oh, built B the BD one. Is it? I thought it's BDRE BD one. Yeah. BD one. B you're right. It's BD one. Yes. Um, I had one of those kits that I'd gotten from Lego, uh, for, for a Lego kit. And I sat down and I put the ILM documentary on my iPad on the dining room table. And I sat there for four hours listening to documentaries and wow. building Lego. And it was frigging awesome. That documentary is so good. Documentary is really good. I'm like halfway through. I got to finish the back half of we it, should, but we should, we should maybe do an episode about that. I'm, I'm into that. I like that idea. I like that. I like that Disney. One of the things I like about Disney is they're doing a lot of like how stuff is made. The other one that's really good is the Imagineering one. I don't know if you watched that one. Oh, so it's about like the birth of Disneyland oh, and wow. the, and the technology behind the, like like the the original impetus for the parks and uh like the design and and all the things that they learned in the early days and it goes through like the different it goes through like the the pre-opening of disneyland the film stuff the po the post-opening of disneyland what they learned when like you know the car ride wasn't on rails and stuff like that all the way like through disney world in the 80s and the dark times and all like the whole thing it's really good and it's the same kind of approach, like yeah. interviewing people who were there talking like it's a little bit 
Like it's a little bit of a hagiography of Walt. Yeah, of course. That's to be expected about all of the stuff that they make. To yeah. Some degree. They've also yeah. been doing that for most of the Star Wars series, as far as I know. They're every every show gets some kind of making of like a month or two after it finishes. Yeah, they do it on um on the Marvel stuff too. Like the I think they call it assembled. They call them assembled in there. They're, they're like I find the modern production stuff a little bit less interesting because it's like it's it's much more of an industry now. Like mm. the ILM one is interesting because like those those like ILM was literally just a bunch of weirdos who had a bunch of different skills that they kind of grouped up together and had been making commercials or surfboards in some cases. And yeah, anyway, it's, it's yeah. worth watching that stuff. We, we should definitely do an episode about that. Yes. I think it's a good call. Yeah. That, that's, that's why that stuff is so much more romantic because it is like, the, there was no template. There was no existing industry to support what they were doing. Like they just had to figure it all out from scratch. Yeah. Yeah, like 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 I think I think Phil Tippett is in there. Uh Phil Phil did Phil did a lot of the stop motion work on the early Star Wars stuff and then all went on to do like like um uh uh the, the, what's the what's the Verhoeven movie the Starship Troopers and d- the animatics the the controls for the dinosaurs yes. and Jurassic Park and stuff like that. He he said that literally he met this guy who knew George and was like, he was like, Hey, we were hiring people who can do stuff. Do you want to come do stuff? He's like, yeah, we'll come do stuff. He's like, what do you need us to do? And he's like, I, I, we don't like, we, we don't know. We just need people who could build things. So they came in and they just started building, building stuff. And then they needed a shot that what George wanted stop motion for the, 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 the space, the space chess board in star Wars. And Phil was like, Oh, I know how to do that. We can do that. And then they, they did some stop motion. So yeah. the career was built. Yeah. There's a lot of amazing good stuff. Um, Let's see. Here's a question from Omochi Yoshi. Uh, That broccoli, that broccoli casserole was amazing. Have any other recipes you'd like to bless us with? Um, Anything else? Gosh, in the holiday vein, I've got two that we did not get around to making during the holidays that I think we're going to make tonight because they have to get made. Mm -hmm. One of them is my mom's sausage balls. Ooh which are, I think I could name all of the ingredients right now. It's basically Bisquick mix, cheddar cheese, sharp cheddar cheese, cheese whiz. Oh, wow. And Jimmy Dean sausage. Which, which Jimmy Dean sausage? Uh, sage? Sage was generally our go-to. Okay. Like, I think, I think, I think she would occasionally get the hot if they didn't have the sage. Okay. But, and I, I, I'd have to look at the recipe. There might be like some, <laughs> for all I know, there's some Crisco in there or something. But um, basically, you just mix all that stuff up together and form it into balls and bake it. And bake it. Yeah, we we um, I, I got to say the the we had a hard time finding sausage when we moved out here. That was worth a damn. Really? Yeah, because like I don't I, we weren't a we were a Tennessee sunshine house. Oh, Tennessee I pride. See. Jimmy Dean, not good enough for you. I, I don't. Jimmy Dean's too salty for me, man. Mm, it's pretty salty. Uh, the Jimmy Dean organic that they do now is organic sage is actually pretty quite good. Uh, and not not too much. Also, one of my dad's best friends made sausage every year. Ooh. And that's usually what we ate. Because okay. we would buy like 10, 15 pounds of that. And that would that's, last a year, year and a half. That's, give that's give away to friends. That's hard to argue with. Did you have to freeze that? That doesn't keep. Yeah, you freeze it. It's but not, it, freezes, not, it freezes fine. Okay. Like per, yeah. like indistinguishable from not for. We, we would break it into like half pound chunks and freeze it usually. Sure, sure. Um. I, uh, I make this, uh, I make a, uh, black eyed peas and collards thing that I came up with 
myself Ooh. Uh, that I'll post the recipe for on shitty blog at some point. That sounds good. I meant to do it before the new year's. And then, then instead of, instead of doing that on the day before new year's, I was pr- bracing for storms. So. Yes. Oh, man, you know what I made over the break? That was what pretty good. It was a top sirloin on the stovetop in a Ooh. pan seared. And it was like, we have these steaks from Omaha steaks in the freezer that have been in there for too long. And we should probably eat those. Ooh. Also, we can't grill here anymore because the landlord disallowed it. Inside? Uh, no, no, outside. Like oh. I have, I have a oh, Weber. Oh, you had a back, backyard. Okay. I have a Weber that we used to use on our back porch until he emailed about city statute or something. <laughs> it was like no open flame within 10 feet of wooden construction. Anyway. <laughs> so you just take it out in the middle of the street is the way, what you do then. Roll it out the front. It's, it's down in the garage. I have genuinely thought about rolling it out onto the sidewalk and using it. But anyway... I looked at those steaks and then I went to a web page and they said, here's how you sear a top sirloin on the stove top. And I did it. Yeah. And it came out perfect. We, and I was we, like, I was like, man, what if we cooked more meat? That was you, easy. You can do, we did a prime rib. Oh, uh, that's at, that's at the cream at Christmas. And I just did it at like basically as low as the oven would go for six hours and then and then cranked it up right at the very end for like 15 minutes uh at at 500 i I saw that picture you posted it looked pretty good um my my girlfriend pulled up chef john's prime rib technique uh uh, and i was staring at that youtube video very hard thinking maybe we should make some prime ribs sometime we did we did um i did the i followed the kenji recipe and cut the salt down a little bit because he's a little saltier than i like usually but yeah it was it was real easy i was i was tasked with pan searing some salmon the other night mm. and i was like after after my top sirloin success i was like oh man what if i just go pull up another thing and read about it and then do it and kenji's article on salmon was the one i hit and i was like oh my god i have entered the deep end here did you press it down i i didn't get that far oh oh i'm after, gonna go tell you when after, i was sick and couldn't eat it that was the only like fat i could eat last year I ate a lot of salmon. I did it with Ooh. the Kenji thing and oh, you man. can get the the skin so crispy and delicious. Oh, oh, oh I believe it. But I, after I, I was about halfway through, um, hand wringing my way through that article, I was relieved of my task. Oh. <laughs> ended up, ended up not having to, um, cook the salmon. I, I, I think I got about to the point where he was talking about like, Oh, don't do this and this or albumin will start coming out of the salmon or something. You I'm can't like, make I, it too hot. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what that is. I, this is too much. Albumin is just, it's just, it's fat connective tissues. It's it breaks down and it bubbles up. It's the white, it's the little white dots that bubble up on top of your salmon. If you overcook it too yes, much. Yes. Uh, real quick. The other, the other recipe I was going to mention is my grandma's butterscotch crunchies. Ooh, which uh, the recipe my mom gave me said some people call them haystacks. Does that ring any bells? No, I've never had those. We, we call them butterscotch crunchies. It is quite literally butterscotch chips, chow mein noodles, and peanuts. Wow, I've never even heard of that. I was expecting something like a pecan sandy or something. No, no, no. You literally just melt the uh, melt the butterscotch chips in the microwave, coat the peanuts and the chow mein noodles, drop it on wax paper, let it cool. That's it. That sounds fabulous. It's it's quite good. Um, we we did a lot of no bake cookies when I was a kid, but I wouldn't I wouldn't call any of those recipes uh, family heirlooms. I I do. Uh, somebody requested a popcorn guide on the shitty blog at some point, which I will do with the whirly pop because. Whirly pops are awesome. Mm. If you like popcorn, you should get a whirly pop. That's my advice. All right. That's a tasty sandwich has a question. How likely is Apple to phase out charging ports altogether over the next few years? Can Pretty, they? Like I that I, my immediate I have no basis for this. My immediate assumption is there's probably some 
EU regulation that would prevent them from shipping a phone without a port on it? I don't think so. No? No, I think they can ship whatever they want as long as they provide the charger. And, uh, or as hmm, That's interesting. They are moving to USB-C, right? Didn't that finally happen? Didn't it? Well, it's in the iPads. I think I, I my understanding is that they have to move to USB-C, but I also thought that like five years ago and they just kept, kept shipping, shipping adapters. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, I, huh. What do you, people use USB on iPhones to get footage off still. Cause like if you're tra- transferring 4k raw video, which, which some maniacs shoot on iPhones, it's pretty, pretty substantial to pull off over Wi-Fi, but even the Wi-Fi is fast, pretty fast. Like if you have AX now, it's pretty, or Wi-Fi six, whatever. It's pretty yeah. fast now. Um, I, I, I can see a world where there's no ports on iPhones for sure. So I've, I've wondered yeah. about that, but hmm. I mean the, the nice, the, the, I saw the other day that the MagSafe part of the key key charger, you know, cause like the modern iPhone MagSafe chargers are just a key charger with a, a a qi charger key charger with a keyed magnetic latch that holds the phone to the charger in the right in the right orientation and position um so i i like and that's going to be part of the next version of the key spec so all of the key chargers will be mag safe in the future that's cool which also means that they'll be cross-platform and it's kind of a standard at that point yeah, right that, like that's hmm okay yeah when you put it that way sure i could i could maybe see like what's the progression first first the headphone jack went and then all of the ports had to be USB-C and then all the ports just disappeared. Yeah. Like it seems like a lot of the decisions Apple makes on what they support on the phones is based on support problems with it. And I can see like uh, the number of times I've had to go to the, like go to the shop and get the air compressor out and blast it in the, the phone hole. Cause there's lint jammed in there. Um, the, here's the thing that's actually going to stop it when I think about it is the legacy stuff like like wireless CarPlay is relatively new. Sure. So that uh, not having a port would prevent you from plugging into your car, which is which is going to be probably the thing that keeps ports on the phones for the next 10 years. Yeah, that makes sense. I, real quick, yeah. I, I did just find the story from late October. Uh, this is on The Guardian. Apple will ditch the lightning connector on its iPhones. The company has confirmed. Oh, uh, after European regulators decided all smartphones should have USB charging as standard in two years time. Uh, so this will be 2025 uh, for after all phones after autumn 2024 in the EU uh, must use USB-C. I wonder if that's new introduced models or if that's anything that ships after. Oh, them. good question. I bet it's new new models introduced after. Would be yeah, that's probably the case. Also, is there any world that where you see them shipping like a European model with USB-C nope. and lightning everywhere else, or they nope. just make that change globally, global change. Yeah. It's too big a market to make. Yeah. Like, like the, the, it's not like the, the port, the, the amount of board space and the physical connector overhead is different. And it, they, and Apple won't do something janky, like oh. have a USB, have a lightning, like have different connectors on the boards for lightning with a, with a sleeve that shoots in. So there's more, more seams on it. Right. Right. One um, design makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Good design only. A uh, question from Argyles. I brought my Mr. Home with me for the holidays and was showing my dad how cool it was uh, that I could recreate my old CRT TV as a kid with visual filter options. He became irate about this as I make it an annual tradition to disable motion smoothing on his TV. Are visual filters on the Mr. and emulators on the same level as motion smoothing? Oh, Absolutely man. not. No. 
and, and the, the key differentiator differ, differentiator is that I like CRT filters and I don't like motion smoothing. So I, that's I'm kind of with I'm kind of with his dad on this one. <laughs> what? I don't ever turn on the CRT just, filters. Do you, just, you really turn that shit on? I, it looks yeah, so bad on the Mister. Yeah, they've, they've got dude. Have you used them lately? They've gotten way no. better. They've gotten oh. tremendously better. Like they can. Hmm. I, I shouldn't get into it. It's a long explanation. Hmm. But, okay, let me. Let me put it this way. Have, does the term shadow mask mean anything to you? Have you messed with them on the mister since they introduced shadow? No, masks? I have not looked at them since okay, the shadow masking stuff turned you are, on. You are woefully out of date on that stuff. Okay. My, my mister hasn't been updated in like probably four months at this oh, point. Okay. I just, it is. if I, yeah. Um, shadow masks are like the, it's the, I don't I think I, I lack the terminology to explain. It's, it's kind of the sub pixel layout and. Uh, I wish I, I like I could throw out terms like aperture grill, you know, like the, the shadow yeah. mask like is is determined by, for example, the aperture grill. That well, the aperture grill on is how far apart the how far apart the screen is that separates the pixels on the phosphor, right? Yes, it was in use on Trinitrons. Like, it's, yeah, that's why the Trinitrons had the two little wire. The, yeah, that was what's uh, holding the grill in place. Yes. Yeah. So any, anyway, it's an attempt to recreate the physical configuration of a lot of those old screens anyway. So it's got presets now. Like you can just hit a preset that's like, Hey, make this look like the JVC from 1996 and it'll apply like the appropriate shadow mask and, huh. uh, and, and scan lines and all that stuff. I, I want those smooth pixels, better. man. I want to just be able to see all my, those, those pixels aren't smooth. They're jagged. I want to, I want to see some big square pixels with they're, no they're interference raw. on them. I've I have fully come around. I have been fully CRT pilled on. I've fully come around on the idea that those graphics were authored to be seen on a CRT with all of the characteristics thereof and that you're not seeing the art in its intended form. Like if you play Sonic, you don't you don't see the games. It was meant to be played on, a, on an LCD I, like that. Um, what is the what is the Twitter account? CRT pixels. Is that the name of it? Oh, I don't know that like one. If you follow that one, I mean, they make a pretty good case. They put a, a lot of uh, yes, it is CRT pixels. They, they post a lot of side by side of like, here it is on a raw LCD. Here it is like photographed off of like a nice Sony PVM or whatever. And like you can kind of see it like you can. It's pretty obvious in a lot of cases, like the detail that is lost. Oh, yeah, no, no doubt. Like the number of things that were designed to render on the screen for multiple frames and stuff like that is is or to, to linger on the screen for multiple fades is the phosphor fades. Right. Is is high. Like I am. Um, there's, there's a lot of like gradient stuff that doesn't come across anyway. I don't need to go look yeah. at that Twitter account. You'll see. Oh, OK, about. OK. I need to update. My, I, I I think I need to declare Mr. Bankruptcy and start over. Oh, and, what? And wait, yeah. Wait, what do you mean? Like. Like I, I haven't updated in a while and I feel like you could just wipe it at this point and start over. Yeah. Like all my ROMs are saved on the NAS. So yeah. I just remount them, remount it. And I, I don't know. I, I feel like I've made mistakes. It's part of it is I haven't spent enough time with it lately. That's just always new stuff happening. Yeah, I know. I know it's too much stuff. All right. Well, here, here's a good transition from Will house, which is the better boot up sequence windows 95 or PlayStation one. <laughs> Is the PlayStation one the doodle doodle I don't, I didn't have a PlayStation one. No, the play, PlayStation one is the bow, bow. No, it doesn't do anything for me. We're going to have to cut that out. No, I, I want, well, I mean, we could do the thing. I've been, I've been listening to Austin's podcast about the and or lately, uh, and he does this thing where he cuts in the thing that they're talking about we, instead we of do that. We could do that. We, we have the ability to like, there's no, there's no man in podcast land. They're, like there's nobody, the DMCA people aren't going to come shut us down. We can do whatever the hell it's we want. True. It's true. Like I, I could put, I could put the first five minutes of paint it black in here. Nobody's going to stop me. 
so I don't have any memory at all of the Sony one because I didn't have a PlayStation. Oh okay. But I, I would put the GameCube one in here as my as my god tier. Oh, that's what we should have done. Ranking of console boot up sequences is something that needs to be done. We just put it on the list. Oh man, I fucking love console boot ups. Um, which like kind we, of don't exist anymore, which is really sad to me. Can we just do ranking of computer sounds? Well, that's been on the docket for a very long time. <laughs> but like like Windows Windows starting sounds, we got modem sounds, yeah, we I, got I, I humbly suggest that we complete a whole bunch of other ranking projects before we complete the ranking of software. Let's just uh, let's just keep adding more ranking projects that are impossible to complete. I, I think the console boot up ranking would have to be done on video. I think there's too much of a visual component there. Anyway. Oh, okay. I, yeah, Windows fair. 5 doesn't really have a boot up sequence, yeah, does it? It, it has, has a sound. sound. It, it has, has a the sound. Brian Eno sound. It's a right. good sound. But that's all it has. Like that that I mean it's got it's got that low res static Windows 95 on clouds. It's not static. The little bottom the little, bar moves. The little bottom bar does sort of throb yeah. as it loads. Yeah. I mean the Brian, Brian Eno song our sound is pretty good. But it's too long though. If I'm being if I'm being critical, it's beautiful. I love it. It goes too long. I gotta I gotta give it up for the PlayStation boot up here, which also this will mean nothing to you. And this has been known for a while, but it's been making the rounds again recently that the the PS logo, the play, you know, you know, the classic PlayStation logo. Yeah. At the PS1 boot up is an actual 3D model. What? You can't, you can't tell looking at the boot up, That's- but people that have dug into the ROM the BIOS of that thing like that, that that logo is a 3D model that you can actually spin around and stuff. That's neat. I'm listening to this now for the first time, maybe ever. I've literally never heard this before. Impossible. Are you watching it as well? I'm watching it on YouTube. Okay. It's okay. It's mm, it, I, it does. It does have a nice like surround component to it. Okay. I might, I might suggest that you lot, you lack the proper nostalgia or historical yeah. context. Look, this is a post on YouTube by quarter pounder 31. Mm-hmm. The, <laughs> the description of it just says you will shit bricks with an X and then yeah. you can, yeah, that's it. Oh, it kind of had that effect. Sure. Yeah. I like the GameCube one. GameCube. Look, GameCube. It animates, it rolls out the G. It's real good. Dude, that GameCube boot up is an all-timer. It is. I, yeah. I might say, without due consideration, this was risky, I might say it's a contender for number one. I, I can't. Maybe. I don't remember the Xbox one, which probably means that, like, it's, original it's not Xbox? that. Yeah, the original Xbox or, one. Original, original Xbox is, like. It's the black screen with the green. Look, we, we, we are burning a pod here. We got to be careful with this. We're, we're flying too close to the sun. The, the, the original Xbox boot up is that picture of the rock with a fanny pack on in console boot up form. Like, that's what that is. <laughs> like, it's, it is early 90s Microsoft cheese in the extreme. Um, uh, it, it's like there's a nuclear reactor inside your Xbox is what that looks like. Yeah. The 360 one's pretty good though. Dreamcast is also real good. There were two of them. The X, the 360 had two of them. They changed it mid generation. What really? I don't actually, I, I guess I don't remember that. Was it when they did the blades? Or, um, the blades? It might've been around the time that they switched. They're, huh. they're quite similar, but there, there is a difference. Hmm. Uh, also the, I, GameCube might win just just purely on account of it being interactive. Right, because you can roll it around, right? You can, well, not only can you roll it around at the time of boot, but you can hold buttons down and get different sounds. What? Holy <laughs> shit. You didn't know this? What? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Go I get your go GameCube. my GameCube out of the garage. I'll be right back. Go get your GameCube. There's at least one alternate version of the sounds you can get.
I remember, like, I remember, man, Nintendo used to do stuff like that. All, like, I remember the first time I realized you could ma- manipulate the Mario face on Mario 64 oh, with yeah. the second controller. I, man. Yeah. Anyway. The loss of personality in some of Nintendo's, like, not, not the games, but the. Like the, the stuff around the games. Like, where's the, where's the cat? Like, remember the Wii Shop theme? <sighs> Street yeah, Pass. good music. Like that GameCube boot up, like you name it. Like there, there used to be so much cool little personality around the edges of their products that I feel like is it's they're, they've gotten much more business like. Well, yeah, but like where's the the cat on the 3ds that was just walking around the 3ds menus, right? Yeah. Yes. Was, or maybe it was the DS menus. I can't remember, but yeah. Anyway, good stuff. Yes, man, I, um, I can't wait to do that. We should do that episode next. 2023 is the year of rankings. We just do a different ranking oh of every week. I, I, I'm sorry. I apologize. I, can't, I don't know if I can endorse on behalf of the community. I don't know if I can endorse that idea. I can feel people leaving already. Okay. Question from XAMP Rocky. Uh, when do you think we'll see prosumer M2 SSD NASA's? Actually, I'm sorry. Let me interrupt the question. Do you say M2 or M.2? I haven't ever thought about it before. I think I say M2. Okay. I, I, I go back and forth. I'm going to, I think I'm going to side with M2 because it's one less syllable. Uh huh. Okay. All right. Back to the question. Uh, when do you think we'll see prosumer M2 SSD NASs? Do you think it would meaningfully make a difference? What do you think it would look like? Imagine a toaster where you insert the M2s like pieces of bread. I'm well, I'm excited that by that. Yeah. Um, form factor of the drives aside, I have been like low-key obsessed with the idea of an SSD only NAS for a very long time. It's it's doable if you don't have a lot of media right now. The two terabyte SSDs are not expensive. Yes, you absolutely could. You could do it now if you wanted to. And even in like a regular PC, you can get like you can get like PCIe cards that have four M2 slots on them and things like that. So you could load it up pretty well. But it's the, the, the biggest problem is that price per terabyte is just never going to. Well, I shouldn't say never, but it's it's hard to see SSD price per terabyte outpacing that of hard drives any time in the next decade. It, it's never going to. But if like yeah. but but the situation is if you care more about bulk like if you care more about bulk storage and price per gigabyte, then the spinning disks are always going to be better, right? Yeah. yeah. But if you want something that's lower, I, I, my guess is that the M2s, assuming you're not doing a ton of writes, are going to last a really long time yes, compared sure. to the the spinning disks. Definitely, definitely. Um, so like like if I, it's entirely possible that my next NAS after the Synology dies ten years from now will be something that has to to a handful of disks and then a handful of ssds so that the stuff that runs constantly you know like the like the low value bulk data of the video the video um the you know the plex library is on the spinning disks and all of the other stuff that's more important in performance matters is on the is on a couple ssds yeah i can see that Actually, just to focus down on her specific question a little bit more, I actually totally could see somebody like Synology coming out with something like she's describing, because imagine how small it would be yeah. if, the, if those were the only types of drives it had to accommodate. Well, my Synology has an SSD slot already, but it's a cache. It's for cache. Right. So you put like 128 gig SSD in and yeah, it makes yeah, everything no, I'm, a little faster. I'm talking something that would have nothing but those drives. Yeah. Like that, that could be absolutely tiny. Like that could be the size of a router. It's like slightly bigger than a Raspberry Pi. Uh, yeah. Right. Cooling. You still have to cool the the, yeah. the fast SSDs. You still have to put a fair amount yes, of cooling on. For sure. For sure. Um, and I, I had the conventional wisdom had been that like SSDs were not as good for data retention because there is the possibility that if they're powered off for too long, they can lose data. But I was looking I, into that recently and that seems to be somewhat apocryphal that like the, the most recent figures from manufacturers I've seen have said that like. An SSD would have to be powered off for like five to 10 years before you'd have to worry about it. Yeah. Losing data. So that's kind of not a big deal. 
Well, and if it's in a, if it's in a NAS that's being actively used, it's not, you're not going to, it's not going to be powered off. That's the other thing is that if, if your NAS has been unpowered for five years, we've probably got way bigger problems than worrying about data retention. (laughs) Yep. Um, we'll see. That's a really good question. I mean, I'm, I'm, I would love to see a toaster NAS. (laughs) Uh, all right. Well, one more, maybe, maybe two. Yeah. Two. Let's, I got a couple more here. Okay. From NAS toasters to flying toasters. I'm just going to pause and let you. They weren't. The flying toasters was a Mac screen saver. It was really hard to get that on the PC. And the ones that came out on the PC were kind of janky and crap compared to the Mac one. I was trying to pause and let you bask in the majesty of my segue. It was a pretty good segue. But anyway, Millhouse Sorry. Phoenix. What was your favorite Windows screensaver from the pre-XP era? Were you big fans of the pipes? Did you constantly try to pick which way the maze would turn? Or did you sit in front of your PC and pretend to be on the Enterprise D as it traversed the galaxy stars gliding past? My personal favorite was the flying toasters. They, Millhouse Phoenix is classifying the flying toasters as a Windows screensaver. I'm just going to point out here. I was always jealous of the flying toasters and spent a an embarrassing amount of time uh, trying to get the flying toasters but, to work. Flying toasters were like kind of a low-key cultural institution, right? Like I feel like I feel like that was something a lot of people who weren't even big into computers back then knew the flying toasters. Yeah, like, it was um it was part of After Effects or not uh Yeah, uh, After Dark. After Dark. After yeah. Dark from Berkeley Systems, which was I was never clear exactly what all was in that package. Oh, that uh, that came out in 91 for Windows. It was 89 for Mac and 91 for Windows. So. The 91, but but the version that everybody, the the good version. So that one had kind of janky 16, like the the Windows version, the the pixel art was lower, lower bit depth and it didn't ever look as good, I thought. Mm, um, fair. The, the one I loved was the virtual fish tank. That wasn't a default okay. Windows one, but you mm. could get a cool virtual aquarium that you could look. It was it was they had microtransactions in that thing in like 1995. You could buy more fish as nice. they made more fish for nice. it. Um, I also liked the the one that would just put words. So like by default, it was either the time or the name of the computer, I think. But you sure. could put whatever words you wanted in there and you could make it a 3D extruded text that would spin around and yes, fly around the screen. I, yes. Honorable mention to when OpenGL screensavers started coming about that used your graphics card. That, yeah. that was that was pretty cool. The 3D pipes and all that stuff. But um, it is Starfield simulation all the way for me. I, that, like, I did that one for a long time. Um, that, that was my that was my preferred. That's that's the that's the stars flying past the, the, that they were talking about. But they're basically just white dots, literally just white dots flying at you on a black background but i found if you if you put your face right up on the monitor and then pulled backwards it kind of made the stars stretch out as if you were going into warp wow wow <laughs> um i i think dream aquarium is still around oh. it looks like that's what i used to use i i tried to go down a screensaver rabbit hole like a year ago i was just like man like graphics cards have gotten so good and apis and everything like i bet the I bet the screensaver scene is amazing now. And instead I found that they kind of don't exist anymore. Yeah. The, it turns out kind of wasteful. Who yeah, knew? It's, yeah, you can't find a lot of new screensavers these days. All right. Last question. I, I'm just going to say this. This might be the most amazing question we've ever gotten. Wow. From console command. See what you have to say about this. Please humor me for a bit. I've got a little 500 gram coffee roaster and I've always wanted to drop a gram of weed into it just before the second crack 
when the roast starts transitioning from a full city roast to dark. The beans begin to sweat oils, and I bet if I drop a full bud in there, it'll roll around smoldering and wash the beans in hyphy kush smoke. Wow. I thought about it, and a bud should be the way to go for slow release and less ash. But dropping it in crushed up would flash the roast in smoke, and it is a tight window before it's too dark, so that's not terrible either. We're at about 230 Celsius at that point. Do you think drinking that coffee would get you high or just smoke out the neighbors? I don't think I don't think that's hot enough to get the stuff from the weed into the air to combust it. Yeah, because like like the my look. Okay, Content warning. Mm-hmm. We're, we live in California where everything's nice and legal. Uh-huh. Uh, 380 Celsius is what my vape is set to for okay. relief. Interesting. So. Or maybe it's 380 Fahrenheit. I don't, I don't actually, I haven't actually paid attention. <laughs> yeah, I bet you haven't. I just, look, I just set the number and then I don't out. think about it anymore. No, no, I'm joking. Hold on, let's see. I was charging last night. 380 Fahrenheit. Okay, so what's 380 Fahrenheit in Celsius? Uh, I don't know. Let's ask a Google. That's maybe a little hot too. I don't, I don't want, don't judge me. Uh, 193 Celsius. Is oh yeah, no. Is. So they're right in the sweet spot there. Let it rip, man. I have no idea. I'm really curious. You should try this experiment and let us know, but also don't dark roast your coffee, man. Light roast all the way. That's Why? that's where my critique comes in. What, what is, what is, the, what is your reasoning for that? The light roast, you get better flavor out of the coffee. All okay. dark roast. Like if you get good beans, then you dark roast it. You might as well not get good beans is my theory. Yikes. Okay. Well, because right. like you lose all the nuance and flavor when you go from this to the city roast. It's too it's too too dark and fair. Like you can you can take your shitty coffee from like Southeast Asia that's gotten all the bad washing and all that stuff, and you get the same flavor as you get out of a nice Colombian or Ethiopian or something. Fair, fair. Yeah. Uh, I had I had given up dark roast just because I found out that light roast has more caffeine. Well, and less acid too. Usually, yes. yes. Um, you know, maybe report back. Maybe experiment and report back. I, this is a look. I'm. I don't want to call you a thought leader here, but uh, I'm going to say uh, there's a long history of people putting stimulants and depressants together and having uh, massive success, and then getting in big <laughs> trouble and having to stop. So mm. be careful and good luck. Yes, but don't uh, don't die. Roaster, roaster, beware. We are making no endorsements here. Yeah, uh, but hey, maybe let us know. Don't don't use cannabinoids if you're in a state that doesn't allow that. Also, um, all right. I think as, as uh, that's as good a there's place no, as any to wrap this up. There's nowhere else to go from there. Yeah. But like next week, we're going to rank everything. We're just ranking. Uh, it's the year of rankings. You starts know, on, now. Honestly, we could rank the questions we got this month. I don't know what happened, but we got so many like we I'm, I'm kind of bummed because I'm sitting here looking at other questions. I flagged that we didn't get to read like there are so many good ones. We could just do another Q&A next week. Yeah, we, we got a lot of good. We, we, look, if we ever have infinite time, we can just do a separate Q&A podcast every week I in guess, addition to the regular podcast. Guess, but like, yeah, infinite time sounds good. Infinite but time sounds nice. Apologies to anyone whose question doesn't get read because there are a lot of good ones. Yeah. It, and if we didn't read it, this look cake batter, mute, mute this for a minute. Oh. If we didn't read your question this month, then, uh, you know, uh, maybe submit it again next month. Cause there was a bunch, there were a bunch of good ones. I did. I did, I did flag the requisite cake batter question. Oh, what I'm, you got? Uh, well, there are so many in here. I have to find the one that there I were did. 17 this month. I, I, uh, I checked. Oh, oh, this was one I actually want to talk about. Um, the question was simply risk V or five. Is it pronounced risk five or risk V? Risk five. Uh, yeah. Straight from straight from risk org. It is risk five. Look, if you're going to uh, if you're going to ask risk org, 
how to pronounce it, then you then you're you're suddenly a gif a gif guy. Wait, what? Because the the CompuServe, the creator of the CompuServe GIF format, is like it's a it's a it's a j, not a g. Mm, well. So if you're going to trust risk risk the risk org on this, you have to respect the CompuServe guy too. I, I, okay. Well, anyway, on that note, the, the, the reason I actually <laughs> want to talk about that was that I don't know. If, did you see just a night or two ago? I guess it might have been in CES. Google announced that Risk Five is going to become a tier one architecture for Android. Which I can see that that makes like, sense. I mean, it's it's probably good, like hedging their bets, if nothing else. But that does seem like kind of a pretty big vote of confidence that they think that risk five based phones are going to become a thing. Yeah, it's like when Windows NT added DC alpha support. <laughs> of course, we, we know how robust or the MIPS. alpha market yeah. is these days. Yeah, get your MIPS on with NT 4.0, uh, baby. We've talked about it before, though. I mean, like it seems like a no brainer to me that ARM has royalties and risk five does not. So, of course, some somebody at some point is going to want to make phone hardware. In fact, apparently there's a risk five chip in modern pixels. The, the security chip. Yeah. In, uh, in modern pixel phones from Google is, is risk five rather than arm. Anyway, my, my guess is that that follows the same, the typical open path where it's kind of crappy for a long time. And then all of a sudden enough people start using it. Enough people start shipping hardware that it gets good. Yeah. Like Intel um, is Intel is very heavily. They invested like a billion dollars into risk five development and like Western digital is big into it. it. It seems like it's becoming a thing. Yeah. I think, I think a, like, look on the long, on the, on the, on the cosmic timeline, the royalty free thing always wins. Yes. That's exactly my feeling. Yeah. Uh, so, but it, it but it, it's just hardware is a slow process. Like yes. you have to remember oh, like for the, sure. the pipeline for new chips and phones is like the pipeline for phones is at least two to three, two to five years, deep, oh, yeah. depending on the phone and the chips are another five years behind that yeah I, so like you're looking at five or ten years before I, we get something that's comparable with I, the arm stuff right now absolutely, probably absolutely also would guess a decade before there are like major shipping products but anyway anyway thanks yeah. everybody for all the questions yeah thanks for sending in great they, they, they were really good questions this month uh we have the best listeners i i often tell people that but i never tell the podcast that so <laughs> y'all are great thanks for listening to the show and um if you like the show and would like to support it you can go to you know we're 100 listener supported brad right. did you know that it's true i do you can uh, you can go to patreon.com slash tech pod and for as little as two dollars a month for like the next little bit, mm-hmm. we're gonna turn that off real soon. <laughs> we're just gonna keep saying it every week. Look, every time we say it, more people sign up. So maybe we should say oh. no, 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 we're we're but we really are getting rid of it. Um uh you can sign up for the for the uh, to support the show on the on the tech pod patreon uh and you uh, can get access to the fabulous tech pod discord somebody asked a question that i wanted to get to that i forgot to about how to get more out of discord oh yes and uh, i apologize for not having your your name here immediately obvious but the the way i would do it is to find a channel that talks about something you're interested in and just oh it's uh it's lebkin uh, they say how do they, they have trouble finding value in there, which I get. It's a, it's noisy, like stay away from general. Yeah. Like, like I mean, get, nothing against general. General is a place for shit posting. I guess it's, would, it, yeah. It's like shooting the shit and hanging yeah, out. Right. Yeah. Like if you want to, if you want to learn something, go into like the Linux channel, find a topic that you're interested in, go yeah, to the food channel, go cooking, to the Linux channel. Cooking, yeah. So the maker yeah. channel, the, you name it. Yeah. Hobby, the, the hobbies and crafts section is real good. And just, just, just only go in that one. Don't worry about the other stuff. You don't have yeah. to go into every channel. And, and um, also, also don't worry about reading everything in that channel. Like it is ephemeral. Yeah. It's not like a forum. You don't have to go back and read every post, just dip in and out of conversations until, you know, observe for a while and get a feel for the, or, or, for the or you can, 
like you, I think it's a place, safe place to ask a question. Yeah, absolutely. Like people are generally very welcoming and kind and, and generous with their time. So if you have a question about something that you're interested in, but maybe not an expert in, it's an okay place to ask that. And, yeah. and like, it, like I asked, um, when I was getting ready to buy a mechanical keyboard two years ago, I asked some questions and, and folks in, in the mechanical keyboard section with channel were, were incredibly helpful. So, yeah. Um, I also realized that because we started doing threads in the discord, we haven't added new channels in a long time. So yes. we should, we should take a minute and evaluate uh, whether we should like what, what are the popular long running threads should probably become channels. Like yeah. I think there's a picking out closed thread. That's probably that gets a lot of traffic. This should probably be a channel at this point, some stuff like that. So uh, send us, send us messages about that as well. Maybe make a thread for that and we'll uh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. A thread for your threads. Yeah. Yo, yo, uh, I heard you like threads. Um, but as always, if you would want to want to support the channel, you can go to patreon.com slash techpod. Uh, again, that's patreon.com slash techpod. And for two bucks a month, you can join the 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 the, the backers, the producers, the Patreons, patrons, patrons, mm, patrons, uh, including uh, our fabulous executive producer tier patrons who we thank every month, including Nick Johnston, Paddle Creek Games, Makers of Fractured Vale, Andrew Slosky, Bunny Needs a New Job Crimes. Oh, no. I am worried about this. Just Wedge, Joel Krauska, Twinkle Twinkie, and James Kamek. Thank you all so, so much. We appreciate your support. And yes, we do. As always, we will see you next week. Next week.